Good morning, everyone. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. As a church, we've been growing now. We're, we're about to, we just passed our six-month anniversary. And to see what Jesus is doing in, in our hearts and, and people's lives, and we're finding our way through who we are in the city of Austin and how we can partner along with other churches who are, uh, are really doing the work of the mission of people being able to see who Jesus is through our actions. They're really, uh, we're, we're finding our way to, to finding out what we can do to add in this city um, to what's already going on. The last several weeks, we've been emphasizing that we are in this city for this city, that we are interested in the peace and prosperity of this city, that we are interested in, as Christians in God revealing himself in a way that demonstrates his love and his concern for people. And so we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about our mission. We're trying to be mission-focused and making sure that we all understand what our responsibility is as a church, as an individual. And as we begin to to speak about this, I think it's important for us to pause along the way because today, at the end of the service, we're going to hear uh, from uh, a missionary who is a friend of mine who we're supporting and we're connecting, we're linking arms with them. And, um, and next week, we're going to commission a bunch of missionaries um, in a service. Um, but here, here so, so we're in this thing. I mean, we are, we are going. We are driving. We want to make a difference in people's lives. Now, I don't think that happens just by these kinds of events. These kinds of events, these services, these times of worship are here to make sure that we are focused on the right things. But make no mistake, God wants to use you individually. He wants to put his mark on you. He wants to cause you to be able to be filled with his spirit so that you can speak into other people's lives. Do you believe that? Yeah. If you believe that, nod your head. Okay, that's about 75%. That's good. Here's the thing. When we start talking about mission, what happens in the church and what has happened in many churches is we begin, to, um, we begin to focus on the mission at the expense of the person who sent us to do it. Which is a mistake. Because the way that you accomplish the mission is by knowing the person who told us to go. And the problem with many people, the problem with Christianity in general sometimes, is we focus too much on the doing and not enough on knowing who God is, who Jesus is, and what he wants to do in us. God is so interested in relationships that he sent his son as a demonstration of his great love to die in our place, to take away our sins, to pull us, to draw us to himself. We have a mission because God is so interested in relationships. So we cannot become sidetracked by the, from, uh, just, we cannot become sidetracked by the mission from who empowers us for the mission, who encourages us, who gives us grace. Now, you know, most of you who have been around One Chapel for a while, we have three guiding principles, guiding values that drive us. They are to be a presence-based church, 
which simply means that we believe God is present in us and works in us and through us, that he is present in a unique way here when we gather. It's an incredible miracle that you can make a movie theater into a temple. We make secular places sacred just because we're there. Because Jesus is present in you. The Holy Spirit is present in you. We just said this creed, right? And did you see Jesus ascended to the Father? He was here, gave his life, and then ascended. He lifted up through the clouds, and the Bible says he would return in the same manner, but he went to the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession, which is another word for prayer. He prays for you and me. And he sent what he called a counselor, another comforter. He sent him to us to live in us, to be in us. His name is the Holy Spirit. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, you are possessed. You are possessed by a spirit, and his name is Holy. So you, you must believe, you must see this, you must understand it, you must embrace it. You can't get consumed in the doing at the expense of the being. God wants to fill you with himself. And, and in fact, it is the presence. So if we look at presence-based, we look at relationally driven, that's the second value, and then we look at mission-focused. Those are all important principles, but they interrelate. They are symbiotic in a way. They work together to make who we are, and what we do effective. I believe if we have the presence of Jesus in us so that our words, feel, our words uh, mean something when we say it, people feel and experience the presence of God when we're around, and we have healthy relationships. Everything we do here is relationally driven, that we develop and build healthy relationships where we speak God's truth in love to one another. Then, you know what happens? If we do those two things really well, the mission becomes a lot easier. Dysfunctional churches that don't know how to have relationship, they make evangelism really hard. Because <laughs> all people can say is, well, that's, they're just mean people. They're, they're so mean, the way they say things, the way they do things. They don't even understand where I am. Building relationships makes the mission a lot easier. Building a relationship with your neighbor to help them understand who Jesus is because his presence is in you is how it works. And so that mission, we must, we must be focused on the mission. However, we've got to make sure, so we're pausing along the way today to look at how we can make sure that we have God's presence in us. And I want to just read you a, passage of, a couple of passages of Scripture. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, 13, this is a moment in the story of Acts where Peter and John healed a crippled man, and it sent the city into an uproar, and then the religious leaders did not like how they did it and what was happening. They were taking some uh, of, the, of the power, taking some of their influence by doing this miracle, so they begin to be persecuted, and so they're being persecuted. Verse 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Good news for you and me. Unschooled and ordinary men. God works inside of ordinary people. They were unschooled and ordinary men. They took note that these men had been, I want you to underline that little word. There's a tiny little word there. It says, 
with. They recognized that they'd been with Jesus. The people recognized that they were doing the same things that Jesus was doing. They were healing people. They were helping others. They were serving. They took note that they had been with Jesus. It is the being with Jesus that actually gives you the courage. You see what it says at the beginning of verse 3? When they saw the courage of Peter and John. The courage only comes from being with Jesus. The courage only comes from God's Spirit being in you. The courage only comes from seeing who God is. Turn back over to Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll spend the rest of our time here. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. This is a famous passage in the Scripture, and I think it provides a model for us. It provides a pattern that we see all throughout Scripture. We see verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Oh, there's so, there is so much packed in this little verse. I don't have time to do it. Let me just say a couple of things. Number one, it starts out with context. We need to understand what the context is. King Uzziah had just died. When a king died in these days, it was a reason for concern. You did not know what was going to happen next. You did not know what the succession plan was actually going to become. Would there be a fight? Would there be a war? What would happen? There was national sadness. It was a national tragedy when the king died. King Uzziah dies. And in the midst of the sadness... In the midst of the difficulty, Isaiah is in the temple and he sees the Lord in a brand new way. Different than in chapter 5 and chapter 4, there was a moment where he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it wasn't the last time he would see the Lord. You and I, as we said, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The more we will exalt Jesus, exalt God in this temple, the more we will see him, his power, his authority, high and lifted up. Now, here's the thing. Many times, I think God visits people. He wants to reveal himself in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of sadness, in the midst of difficulty. He wants to reveal himself in those moments. And if we will turn to him, he's longing to do it. If we will turn this temple to him, he will show us himself in a new way. Verse 2 says, above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I love this little passage because it's, it says what is true and what people can't see sometimes. They need their eyes to be open. The fact is the whole earth is full of his glory. We don't see it. Sometimes we see famine. We see tragedy. We see difficulty. We, all you got to do is turn on CNN, <laughs> see what's going on around the world. When you come and turn your attention to Jesus, the revelation of the truth becomes clear. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
there is a war. There is something going on here that we, the reason we need to be full of his presence is because there's a big job to do. There's a big job to do, but it is not until God reveals himself to you that you can really get it. First big point I want you to get is God wants to reveal himself. There is a revelation for you. Revelation is what God's presence is all about, what his plan is for you, for the people of the world. He wants you to see him. He wants us to see him. It is not until we see him that we can really see how big he is and how small the job is. We think the job is huge. We think the mission is overwhelming. Oh, how can we do all this? How can we reach out? We're just a little church that meets in a movie theater. We can't do anything. No, as soon as you meet face-to-face with God, as soon as he reveals himself, (gasps) you're consumed with his power, his bigness, his authority, his ability. His ability and not your own. You begin to trust in him and what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Notice verse 4, it continues, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I didn't see any smoke in here this morning. I know some churches have machines where they uh, produce the smoke. (laughs) I don't think what we're talking about here is just an experience. Um, we're talking about God revealing himself. And what that means is he wants to. His glory is evident. He's, he's on his own mission to reveal himself. What we do when we come together in a movie theater and worship Jesus is we remind ourselves. We reawaken our, we, we encourage and increase our own awareness that he is with us. If you don't make a habit of that, then the mission becomes dry. It becomes legalistic. It becomes guilt-inducing. The mission, you, be, you feel guilty because you're not doing enough. You're not making things happen. You're not, you're not witnessing to enough people. Guilt begins to settle in. But when you are filled with him, when his compassion and love begins to be poured into you, when you come together and remind yourself by being part of the community of believers, when you turn this temple towards him and put him in his place, his rightful place, something happens. The, the mission looks smaller. God looks bigger. So we, we, God reveals himself. And here's what happens to Isaiah. He begins to see himself. He begins to see what's going on in his life in the light of God's presence. And as he sees himself, then notice what happens. Verse verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. (laughs) Same as you and me. You see who God is? You realize who you are? All of a sudden, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The job is too big. I'm too bad. I can't do it. You know, notice what happens. The very next thing that happens. He says, woe is me. He sees context for himself. He He understands what's at stake, and then something happens immediately. The next verse. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had 
taken from the tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, everybody read that out loud if you can, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Some people spend all their time when they come to this house of worship thinking about how bad they were the week before. Can I just encourage you that God is interested in transforming you? First, the first thing is revelation. The second thing he wants to do once he reveals himself and you see how in need you are is he wants to transform you. He wants to change you immediately. So we shouldn't waste time <laughs> beating ourselves over the head. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. Oh, I don't know what to do. No, turn to him. Worship is the process by which we understand God's love and forgiveness and grace to us. It's not something you do after you get right. Worship is not reserved. God's presence is not reserved for people to get all cleaned up. It's a misnomer in the gospel. The gospel message is come to him as you are, fall on your knees and call him Lord, and then he begins the process of cleaning up. So here's the point. Transformation is what God wants to do for you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You can come to him. You can come to him, and he will clean you up. He will be the one who takes you from where you are to where you need to be. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it alone. You can't make yourself okay. You have to let God do it. His presence, allowing his presence, allowing him to infuse you with who he is, is the only way that happens. You turn to him. You open yourself up. Finally, the last point here is there's a, there's a revelation. There's a transformation. Verse 8 says, then I, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. What we see here is a progression. God reveals himself, and he makes provision for the transformation. And then, notice what happens. As soon as God begins to transform him, he hears people talking. And as he hears people talking, what you find is that there's an opportunity. There's something that God wants you to do. There's something that God wants to offer you. He's got a job for you to do. But it happens as a byproduct of being cleaned up and being prepared by him. If you ever get it backwards, you will be a mess. If you ever get it backwards and you begin to just focus on what he wants you to do at the expense of how he wants to lead you and fill you, you will end up dying. You will end up getting empty inside. Evangelism cannot be a program. Evangelism must be a way of life that spills out of a God-centered life. Evangelism spills out. Sharing the truth and love with other people spills out of you because you are filled with him. It's a byproduct. It's not the thing. He is the one. His life, his relationship. The reason we do evangelism, the reason we have a mission, the reason we send people to places where they, they, they need to share the gospel is because God is so desperate to have relationship with them like he has with you. So that means you're called to be an illustration. Revelation, transformation, illustration. It's not, a, it's not a doing as much as it is a becoming. 
It's not, a, it's not as necessarily a doing as much as it is becoming the story. It's easy to tell the story, or sorry, it's harder to tell the story than it is to, to be the story. Letting people see your life, letting people see and witness, your neighbors witness who you are and what kind of person you are. It's so much easier. It's so much better. The power is in becoming the story to others and allowing them to see who Jesus is through your actions. That's what, that's what Love Austin is. That's what April 9th is about. It's about demonstrating Christ's love in a practical and tangible way. You need to do it at work. We need to do it and, and with our neighbors. We are going to do it as a group reaching out into our city just to serve our city, just to make it a better place so people can see the love of Christ. But his presence is the empowerment. His grace comes when you open up and allow him to make his place, make his home, make his throne in you. And I want you to see that as we go through this next part of the year and we continue to emphasize the mission and we continue to emphasize what you're called to do and what we're called to do as a church, we must never forget the origin, the source of all this work. So I want to call the band back up and we're just going to worship for, for a few moments and I want you to settle it for yourself. You may be in a situation where things at work are a struggle. Things at Things at home may be out of control. You may have things going on in your live, lives that are, that are just causing you, to, causing you to be overwhelmed, causing you to be fearful, causing you to really not know what to do. You're hamstrung. You're, your hands are tied behind your back. You want to do, but you fear that you cannot do. You cannot do what God wants you to do. You cannot be the person God wants you to be. I'm telling you, he's here to change it, to change you, to give you the, the energy, the supernatural energy that you need to minister to people, the supernatural energy that you need to deal with that situation at work. It's about him. And so I want us all across the auditorium, I want us to just take a moment and I want us to recognize this. I want us to have an experience here where, and just an encounter with him where we acknowledge that he is our everything. Jesus, come.